welcome to the Blue Sky PR Recruitment Marketing Coronavirus Q&A Clinic. Welcome to everyone who's joined us. I hope everyone's um, well and thank you for coming on board. Just a quick uh, comment from me. I'm sure if anyone has seen the um, promos we've been putting out across social media the last 24, 48 hours, um, it was my colleague Steph King who was supposed to be joining me on this today. Um, obviously, Dan is not Steph, um, <laughs> probably already guessed. Um, Steph's been pulled away on something else um, just, just quickly. So, Dan, as our head of social media, has kindly agreed to join me today as well um, and, and just sort of post some of the questions that everyone's asking us and has been asking us over the last week or so. Um, so um, if, if anyone's seen any of these before, we've all been taking part in these these live Q&As to give everyone a platform in the recruitment industry to ask us any marketing pr social media questions that are you know really at the top of your list at the moment and we're, we're answering them so that we can give everyone as, as much support and help as we can um during these times uh, dan you hosted last week's one um yeah. we've had a lot of interaction a lot of engagement so um glad everyone's enjoying it for this week's particular Q&A, because we've had so many questions coming in about events, um, replacing events and um, and surveys as well. We're doing a bit of an event survey focus. Um, doesn't mean if you have any other questions to ask beyond that you can't. Please do ask anything. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're focusing on some of the questions we've had in the last week to do with events and, 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 and surveys. So... If you have any questions, post them, tweet them to us. Dan's monitoring social media, so he'll he'll be pulling up any questions anyone's asking. Um, you can always at me, at Vicky Collinge um, on Twitter, and I can answer questions at a later date if you don't want to ask today. Um, but we have a couple that have come in already, don't we, Dan, if you want to sort of kick off with any of those? Yeah, sure. So um, one of the first questions that has come in over the last couple of days um, is... We've had a series of roundtable events scheduled in for the remainder of the year. Should we p postpone them indefinitely, given what's going on? Okay. Um, would you know, we've had this question asked a lot by some of our clients as well. And because of all of the um, journalists and events we work with quite naturally for, for our job anyway, we're obviously doing lots of um, replanning and reorganising with people for upcoming roundtables and, and various events. And my advice would be, um, if you have anything planned that has to be postponed, obviously postpone it, but don't necessarily say indefinitely. Um, just say it's been postponed um, due to the current climate. Everyone gets that. Everyone understands that. Um, but stress the point that, we are going to get through this. We are going to see another side of this so that as soon as, you know, we're back to business as normal and we're back to being able to run and attend roundtables, that it will be replanned and rehosted and everyone will be invited to come along again. Um, just to reassure people that you're not just stopping everything and completely dropping off the radar. Um, but on the flip side to that, I think, you know, if you are having to postpone any roundtables, consider how else you could host these. Because, yes, we're not able to physically meet with each other, but there are other ways to network and there are other ways to bring our communities together again. And there's a lot going on where we're seeing virtual events and virtual roundtables. So if you had one lined up and you had a lot of interest in it, consider what else you can host instead. Could you do a Zoom call? Could you do a Zoom roundtable event? Um, 
you know, we've, we've seen so many different Zoom video meetings taking place, um, some with quite hilarious results. You might end up having a blooper reel um, from a roundtable event. So you consider what else you, you could do. Um, and if you have people already signed up to the roundtable as well, talk to them and ask them if they would be open to a different type of roundtable while we can't meet together. Um, there might be people who have you know, who have got sort of some some tech or platforms and software that you could use to run a roundtable as well. So, um, yeah, you know, I wouldn't postpone it in the sense of not replacing it, um, but obviously it would need to be postponed face to face given what's going on at the moment. So I hope that answers answers your question. Thank you very much, Vicky. And the second question we've had in is which virtual events work best for recruitment firms? Okay, so that's a quite an open-ended question, if I'm honest. Um, and the answer is it will depend on what the point of your event is, um, what audience you're trying to engage with, how many people you're trying to engage with. Um, if we consider the roundtable example of the previous question, if it is a roundtable with a select few um, group of people that you are planning to host to so say maybe upwards of, up to 10 people maximum um, then a private zoom call would work uh, you know you can record these zoom calls so you can um, you can probably replay any of it or, or share any content afterwards but um, you know that that would work well for a small group of people um, if you had say a larger networking event or conference in, in mind where you can share content information um, with a huge number of people um, where perhaps you're not giving as much opportunity for everybody to comment and share during the conference or during a, a virtual event, then um, sort of online webinars can be quite a good replacement for, uh, say, a conference where you'd have thought leadership speakers presenting their um, viewpoints and, and things like that. And that allows people to sit and watch um, as they would have perhaps done at a, a conference venue but virtually instead. Um, and the joy with running you know, webinars is it's, it's online to replace this is that you can still get people to engage. You can have um, questions posed to your speakers during online webinars as well. So you kind of give a nice balance to both the presenters and the top, the, you know, the audience that are taking part in that they can still ask questions. They can still, um, you know, the speakers can still share their knowledge and insights, still use their PowerPoint presentations that they'll undoubtedly used if you were at a networking event anyway. Um, and so that, that strikes a nice balance. If, however, the type of event you were looking to host is just a general networking with brand new people um, where you'll, you know, say, for example, um, you know, we've got Recruitment Agency Expo that takes place every year. Um, if you were to consider how that could be done virtually, obviously the present the presentations can be done via a webinar, but then there's the networking element that is going to be missing um, from that. So people aren't going to have necessarily the chance to just bump into somebody as they walk past a stand or, or visit someone's stand to ask for more information. Um, so that's where you will have to be a bit more creative. Um, you can utilise social media definitely to help create more of that networking environment that you'd expect from a virtual that, from an event that you have to move virtually. So could you be running um, a I don't know a, a power hour where you're using a particular hashtag for the event for the um, people who would be you know, have a stand for example uh, to 
say, give like a five, you know, very brief description of who they are and what they do. They can post videos and things like that. And using that hashtag that's very dedicated to that virtual event, people can then network and comment and see what other people are saying with beyond their current um, followers and those that they directly engage with. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, that's just a couple of ideas of, of how to make virtual events work best for you, but it will really depend on who your target audience is, what your objective is for that or that event, um, and, 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 you know, what you may have originally had planned and had in the pipeline, um, you know, have, I'd, I'd consider all of those options, but, um, you know, we're, we're here if you have a particular event that you're trying to take virtually, we can certainly give advice, but um, I'm, I'm hoping that gives some kind of foundations for the three different strands of, of virtual events that you could get involved in. Unless you have anything to add to that, Dan, I know you're the social media expert, so you might have any other, um, some additional thoughts. Um, not really, to be honest. I think you, you nailed it for that. I echo your thoughts um, on that. But we've got um, a question come in that, that um, relates to social. So it's what is the best way to promote a virtual event on social media? So um, I think the best way to promote a virtual event, um, echoing some of what you said, Vicky, about, you know, if you're trying to do something with a, a large array of speakers is really to get them to utilise their own social networks. So, for example, um, you know, people have probably seen some of the videos you've put out this week, Vicky, um, talking about the Q&A and what we're going to be speaking about today. And that works really, really well um, for, for physical and virtual events. You know, make sure your speakers are recording, you know, 30 seconds to one minute talking head videos where they're going to be discussing what they'll be talking about and inviting questions because that works really well, particularly on LinkedIn. And again, if you invite some more questions to feed into what you're going to be talking about on the virtual event it really allows that sort of two-way discussion and engagement so again the more people engage with that the more people are going to see it on their own feeds because of their connections engagement secondly you know make sure you're utilizing a wide array of content so not only doing the talk and head videos but you're doing social cards so you know um, with the speaker for example an image of them on the left and then a brief summary of what they're talking about you know the time date event info things like that and again make sure that you use a branded hashtag for the event as well because that really allows people to keep clicking the hashtag in the build-up to the event and allows them to see what is going on specifically with that because again if you're using the hashtag recruitment and people clicking through, they're gonna might you know they might see the event that you're doing. But if you utilize that hashtag with a branded one that's um unique to your event, you're gonna get a lot more engagement that way. So people keep clicking that and searching to see what the latest is, if there's any more updates, if you've got any more, you know, speakers announced and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I mean I don't know what your thoughts are, Dan, but I think realistically all of that advice is what we would suggest anyway for a physical face-to-face -face event. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of the key messages for, for events, you know, publicizing events anyway, is that actually you can still um, maintain the, the usual direction that you would when it comes to promoting your, your, your events over social media or any, across any other medium, because it's, it may be a virtual event, but it's still an event. Um, so, you know, we'd, we'd definitely recommend doing sort of the same activity on social that you would for any normal conference or, or roundtable, you know, prior to uh, to all of this chaos. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, um, you know, just because the event's taken in a virtual space, it doesn't really need, you know, it doesn't mean that you need to reinvent the wheel when it comes to promoting. It's, it's essentially the same sort of stuff, but it's just taking 
place virtually instead of physical. So you don't really have to alter too much, to be honest. Yeah. It's just that now you can send a link to where people can take part in the event rather than the address. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, leave, leave, just leave on from that as well. We've got another question regarding social and events. So it says, um, should we encourage live tweeting uh, during our virtual event as we would with a physical one? Um, so again, yeah, I totally agree. As we sort of just summarise, really, you know, there's no real difference apart from the form it's taken. You know, live tweeting will still be incredibly effective. And particularly, it depends on the natures of the virtual event. For example, um, if you're doing something like we are right now, or, you know, a live Twitter and Periscope Q&A, live tweeting is definitely to, to be encouraged because you haven't gated the event itself. So people will just um, keep ticking over with more and more questions and it'll increase the visibility of it. So the more people that are tweeting about it, using your branded hashtag, that will mean more people end up um, engaging with, with the virtual event and watching it. So it only helps spread your visibility across the social platforms. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree with that. Um, and, you know, again, I think it's what, what you'd expect of an actual event. The amount of conferences I've been to, you know, recruitment conferences in the past where they've got sort of the live Twitter feed stream on the screen. And that's been hugely valuable to see people who weren't there at the event sharing comments and sharing tweets and commenting on what other people are sharing. So, um, you know, I think there's, there's huge value in, in, in the live tweets throughout any event, virtual or, or otherwise. Yeah, and I think as well, obviously, you know, with a virtual event and what's going on with lockdown at the moment, we, we can't have that physical interaction, but we can definitely emphasise and really take that online and, you know, um, have back and forth conversation during live tweeting. And at the end of the day, it's going to be like a live event where you end up making connections from having those conversations, even if they're on an online space instead of physical. Yeah, and I suppose that way as well, from your um, the attendees' um, perspective, they get more value from it mm. because they get exposure to a wider audience and a wider network because of the hashtag that's being used and they make new connections. They make new, um, new professional connections that they would expect to have made any, anyway if they'd attended the event. So you're kind of replacing that element for them, which is obviously going to be beneficial. Yeah, exactly. I agree. And yeah. we've got a, another question that's just come through via DM here on Twitter. And it says, do you recommend gating a virtual event? or leaving it open for people to discover and engage with? Okay, so my view, and, and Dan, I'm, I'll let you jump in if you disagree. Mm. <laughs> um, but my view on that is there's pros and cons to gating content um, when it comes to these type of events. If you gate the content, obviously the pro is that you get to capture the data of the people who are taking part. So that's a number of leads that um, obviously you get access to. But the con when it comes to doing that is that you could perhaps limit the number of people that sign up or that you know, attend because it's not as open and it's not as easily sort of connectable um you know which is what we all just talked about a moment ago for the the sort of the live tweets and the bringing together the network so um i mean my view would be if it is a, you know a replacement for like a big conference you shouldn't gate it you should make it open and available to everybody but use things like the um you know the the live tweeting throughout the events to capture the audience for yourself so you know who to engage with but if it is a smaller more niche sort of community event that you're looking to host like a round table then obviously it would need to be behind 
it would need to be gated because you want to make sure that you're getting, you know, if you only want 10 up to 15 people attending, then you need to make sure that the right 10 to 15 people, you don't just want every man and his dog to sign up and, and join in. Um, would you agree with that, Dan? Yeah, I would. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, it essentially just depends on your overall objective. You know, if you're looking to particularly raise a lot of brand awareness, then I wouldn't gate it. But if you're looking to target um, specific people who are already on your CRM, for example, then I would probably say, you know, gated is the right approach to take. So it does really depend on what objective you want um, out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the thing to try and avoid at the moment where everyone's kind of using online opportunities to you know, generate more leads is to, is to not rely too much on gated content where it's not relevant um you know you need to still be giving stuff away for free essentially like you would at a networking event um so you know gate what's needed but look at what you don't have to get what you can get away with not gating as well exactly yeah and but, just got another question come through on dm and it says we want to offer some training to our furloughed staff what formats would you advise okay um that would obviously depend on your staff. Um, I would, I'd advise looking at your, um, who you're, you know, you know your staff best. Um, but there, there's a wealth of training available for recruiters at the moment through a number of, of different locations. But trade bodies like Apsco will will be sharing sort of training opportunities, and there's there's going to be third party suppliers who can you know can certainly have um you can certainly contact and engage with for for training for your staff but in terms of any training you want to provide yourself it will depend on the software you have available and also your staff's um availability shall we say um obviously you can't well if they're furloughed they can't work for you but you can train them um but if they have been furloughed perhaps because they have to you know have their childcare commitments that they they have to stick to um then you need to consider what format your training is going to be provided in because if it's going to perhaps be a one-on-one -on -one set time for a call to you know run through training for an hour that may not work for someone who is at home on their own with kids for example um i'm speaking from experience here i have two young kids at home so you know sometimes it's not easy to to concentrate on you know a an hour-long training video and engage with it as you'd like to but you, know, you might want to try and fit it in around your, your work-life balance so uh, you know as an employer you could perhaps consider a pre-recorded um, training session that you could run so you know whether that be yourself yourself and other members of the team recording something um, do as many versions of the recording as, as is necessary um, but then that's accessible to your staff as and when they require it and then obviously you know open up a two-way dialogue make sure that you've um got them given them the platform to be able to ask any questions that they have or uh, follow up on the training but you know make it as flexible as possible just because you know people will need to fit it in around their time if they've been furloughed um for, for whatever reason um and i think as well you know ask your staff talk to your staff um keep them engaged you know they might not be working for you directly but they're still your working family um so you know when you've when you've communicated the the furlough process to them just let them know that there is training available um for them through whatever um 
medium that it might be available, whether that's a third party or or whether it's just training that they had planned and in the pipeline anyway as part of their professional development with your business. If you've got videos that you've recorded, if you had um, any sort of assessment papers or anything that you had, you would have used over the coming sort of year, you feel free to have that information available and set up for them and perhaps consider a resources hub um, that's only available for for your staff. Um, I mean, I'm talking about staff directly here, but if you think about the recruitment industry as a whole, there's been so many um, organisations and trade bodies and individuals as well creating hubs of information um, that's going to benefit businesses and individuals alike. So having a hub of information could, could be beneficial. Um, but it's, it's just basically about, you know, communicating what you need to have as much information available for for staff who you know have been fellow but do want to to keep you know in in with the recruitment industry and keep up to date with what's going in the recruitment industry um, to have that information available for them um in video format so they can you know watch it whenever they want written format so that you know they can read it whenever they can um but you know have have that platform for dialogue open as well yeah, there's some really good points there, Vicky. And I think as well, like you've emphasised, you know, the aspects of flexibility and having it available in different content formats just makes it so much more available to people so they can look at it when they want and in the co- content format that suits them. Because as we, you know, we're aware at Blue Sky, people uh, learn differently. Some are visual learners, some like to read. Having that um, different content format as well really just allows them to learn at their own pace while they're on, you know, furlough and the, yeah and having that flexibility so yeah that's really good and we've got another question coming because i know for this q a it was going to be on virtual events but also inviting questions on what people can do in regards to survey data and we've got a question on that so it's we have a lot of fresh survey data here about sentiment in the current climate what can we do with it Fantastic. Uh, share it first and foremost. Um, share it with us. I'd love to see it. Um, yeah, if you have any data that is pertinent to the, the current you know, environment, current sentiments, current um, feelings and, and, uh, and, and anything else with you know, the, the coronavirus pandemic at the moment, um, that information, there's a huge appetite for that, not just from your audiences and PR professionals like me too, um, but from journalists and beyond beyond your current networks, because if we we think about it, you know, we're in unprecedented times, we talk about, you know, it's everything's unknown to us all at the moment. So any data we have that shows, um, you know, what's what's going on, what the trends are in the market is going to be hugely valuable to businesses of all shapes and sizes and you know to, to their hiring plans and obviously then to recruiters as well so if you have data um that, that you've generated you need to be pushing that out and sharing that far and wide um there can be the trap and we've seen this before um of, of some um agencies who have got a wealth of data that they're sharing internally and perhaps just hosting it on their crm or or just simply emailing it around to everyone and thinking okay there we go we've done we've done everything we can with this data and you're just letting it go to waste if i'm completely honest with you i, I would recommend hosting the uh, full results of any surveys if it's a really comprehensive one think about having a a document on your website that has all of the full details and the survey results that is behind that is gated so that people have to give you their information to access it, but then share snippets of it elsewhere. Um, 
your blog's a perfect platform to take, you know, one or two of the key pieces of data that you've got um, and turn it into a, you know, a wider blog where you're actually outlining what this data means to your target audience and to your business and to the you know, end clients that you work with and to the candidates that you work with. Um, you know, share that on your blog, which, you know, that absolutely push far and wide across your social media channels um, and look at what you can, you know, repurpose from that, how, how, you know, don't just do the one blog and then leave it as you know, more developments happen in the, in the market around us. And there's breaking news. Think about how you can use the data you have to comment on the breaking news. Um, and crucially, look at where you, what publications you can share this information with. Um, if you have already got sort of an in-house marketing or PR or comms professional, you know, it, or you are one of those individuals, uh, you know, use that data um, to, to engage with journalists across the recruitment press, across the sector press that you work with, and even with nationals. Um, there's, there's employment correspondents, there's business correspondents who really just do want data at the moment because that's, that gives something concrete for them to talk about. Um, so, consider where where you can push that far and wide um i mean we 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 use a lot of data for our clients and we work with appsco um and we have a wealth of data from them that we are sharing regularly with the recruitment audience with um you know the hr community the business community with various sector verticals as well and you know across the national magazines uh, newspapers sorry um and all i can say is journalists just love it they they absolutely lap it up so if you have it, use it to your advantage. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Vicky. And I'd just like to emphasise as well um, something with survey data that I think more and more recruitment firms are starting to see the value in as well. As like you said, is repurposing that content, but also you know look at different ways you can present it. You know, don't just post a blog post on social media. Look at how you can present some of that data. You know, do a, a nice infographic that really grabs people's attention when they're scrolling through their news feeds across the social channels. Just making sure that you're stretching and squeezing sort of every last ounce of ROI out of that piece of work that you've put all your time and resources in will really put you in good stead. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, just to add as well, and I know it's not directly related to, to the question, but um, it's something that I've discussed with so many people over the last few weeks. Um, a survey doesn't have to necessarily be a comprehensive survey. A one-off poll with just one question and a yes, no answer can actually be hugely valuable as long as it's done very quickly and gives you the real-time results of, of you know what's going on in this, the market on a given sort of day, essentially. Um, but that can be used on social as well because you can post polls across social media channels. So you know, consider where you can do snapshots mm. of rather than the comprehensive ones as well because that gives you more engagement it gives you more um it gives you more opportunity to have less of the sales message being pushed out to your audience and it just gives you the chance to collate some data that's going to be valuable to your business as well exactly um i think that's all of the questions we've got sent in for today okay fantastic um I haven't had any more ping up in my emails like I did last time, but um, I think everyone's DMing us all, all of them at the moment now, which is <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, thank you, everybody, for watching. Dan, thank you for, for joining me um, at short notice. That's okay. Um, really valuable to have you on particular social media questions um if anyone else has any further questions you can you can tweet us you can dm us at blue sky pr um you can 
email us contact us um go to our website all of our contact details are on there we're all still working we're all still available so um feel free to pick up the phone and call us it's quite nice to have uh, a phone call with somebody um beyond uh, having to talk to my children so please do call me anytime you like <laughs> um but other than that thanks everybody and thank you so much dan and we'll we'll see you next week for our our next live twitter q a thank you see ya bye for more useful resources please visit our website at www.bluesky-pr.com